Last week, Pastor Nate talked about Romans 8. And I don't know about you, but I turned to, I don't know who I turned to, but I said, why do I have to follow that one? Because it's such a good message. Such a good message. Um, and it's so nice to have someone else bring in their perspective. And he talked about adoption. You know, the spirit of adoption that's found in Romans 8. And it was amazing. And it, it, touches, it touches nerves. Because yeah, it can be difficult. But um, the thing about, about what he was talking about is that this, this thing about adoption is we've been brought into the family of God. And we're actually going to talk about this um, at the end of... Um, well, guess what we're doing today? We're doing three chapters. We're doing three chapters. And this is not just because we're going to try and chunk it out. But because 9, 10, and 11, Romans 9, 10, and 11 actually fit into a theme. They fit into a theme that is, needs actually for us to talk about all three at the same time. The reason being, the reason being is that it actually talks and focuses on Israel. What I mean by Israel is in the Old Testament, the, the chosen people of God were the Israelites. They were the, they're called the Jewish people. And in um, what we talk about in Romans, there's a tension in the Roman church, because this is a letter written to the Roman church, there's a tension between the Israelites and the Gentiles. Those who are from Israel in the Old Testament and those who are not from Israel. So there's a tension. There's almost like a, I'm better than you, West Coast Eagles, Fremantle Dockers, South of the River, North of the River vibe going on here. Republican, Democrat, Labour, Liberal, whatever you want to put, whatever. Just think of a tension that isn't good. This is what's going on. Star Wars, Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to connect with you, man. <laughs> I made fun of you. you. Uh, so in chapter 9, it deals primarily with the past of Israel's past. As God's chosen and privileged people. Chapter 10 deals primarily with Israel's present as a nation which has refused to submit to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And chapter 11 deals primarily with Israel's future. A nation which someday will be saved and will enjoy the fulfillment of the new covenant promises. Yeah, and because it's three chapters long, I'm not going to go through it. I'm going to put it up on the screen and you can peruse through it and listen to me at the same time. But I'm going to hit a few uh, points in because uh, we want to... We want to actually uh, pull out of here as opposed to just going through everything for the sake of going through everything. We want to follow this theme. But turn to the person next to you and say, past, present, and future. Do you, you know your past so well. You know your past so well. And what's funny is your present soon becomes your past. And your present... In your past, well, in your present, you talk about your future becomes your present, which becomes your past. So it's so interlinked. Your past, your present, and your future, they're all part of the same thing, time, your life, your existence. And so what we're looking at here is the past, the present, and the future of Israel as written by Paul to the Roman church, to that tension there. And so, I don't know about you, but... For me, often my past can kind of dictate my future. It can dictate my present, my choices, all these sort of things. And this is exactly as what's happening in the Roman church, both for the, the Gentiles and the Jews. 
And as soon as we go, the first five verses, oh, <laughs> I remember I told We're talking about God's choice to use Israel. Just a side note, um, if you want to learn theology for, um, and not go to Bible college, there's something called Theos U. Um, it's something that uh, Molly got me onto. And it's run by a guy called Nathan Finuccio. He's uh, the teaching pastor at Hillsong. And you can sign up, like almost a Netflix price monthly, you can sign up and he releases um, these videos that pretty much um, teach you theology without having to go to Bible college. It was off the chain. You know, I, was, I did my message, then I watched some of this, and I was like, oh my goodness, I have so much content to add to my message. It's absolutely amazing. Uh, but first five verses is talking about God's choice to use Israel, because I'm talking about Israel, Israel in the Old Testament. So what we need to understand, there is a Jewish-Gentile divide here, because they're not getting along, because there's tension, there's, um, sorry, there's ang- anger, anti-Semitism, pride, all these things between them. Anti-Semitism pretty much means discrimination towards the Jewish people. Anti-Semitism is in this church, the Roman church. So Paul is writing to this church because the Gentiles, those who are not from Israel, are pretty much looking at the Jews and saying, you're wrong, you've missed the boat, you're bound up in law, in rules, and you're not good people. But then what's happening on the other side of this is that the Jews are proud. They're full of arrogance. And there's an elitism pretty much saying that we are the chosen people of God and you are not. So what's happening here, Paul is writing in the first five verses and he, he clarifies and says, yes, God chose Israel and to use Israel in the Old Testament. And we have to understand that in modern context nowadays, because you look at politics and you look at things going on, and we're like, we, we can kind of get like one side or the other, and it's like, we actually have to understand God's plan did in, involve the country of Israel. But that things have changed. Things have changed and they have developed. So what Paul is doing in this this, this um, letter, the first five verses, is he's explaining theologically where Judaism, the faith of Jews, fits in the historical salvation of God's plan. Yeah. It's a historical salvation plan. And we need to remember that God did choose the Israelites. He did choose them in the beginning. He chose Abraham and said, you'll be a father of many nations. You will. You will. But Israel failed to pass the job onto Jesus when Jesus came. So this is what's happening in the first five verses. So what happens is we turn, Paul is then saying, all right, we need to actually look at the, the, uh, the, the Israelites, Israel, and we actually have to be quite sympathetic to them. Because what's happened is they've come so far, they've carried this burden through the Old Testament of the message of Jesus Christ, the message of a Messiah coming, but what they've done is they've been bound, they're still bound up in the law that carried it as a vessel to this time. Because the law was actually, and this is crazy, the law is not a bad thing. The law led people to Jesus Christ. 
That was the aim of the law. The law was to protect people until the, a Messiah came, to keep them covered under the grace and the mercy of God until the Messiah came. So what's happened is the, the Jews and the Gentiles are on either side of this ping pong table saying that the law is not good. The law is bad. Sorry, is, is good. The law is bad. Back and forth, back and forth. And Paul comes in and basically says, yes, Israel was chosen. Gentiles recognize, recognize respect. They were chosen. But now we actually have to come to them and we have to be quite sympathetic because they dropped the ball. The Jews dropped the ball. The Jews, instead of seeing that the promises of God in the law, the promises to Israel, instead of seeing them fulfilled in Jesus, they kept waiting and waiting. And waiting, and there's actually still quite a, a large contingency of people who are still waiting for the promises of God to, to be fulfilled. Yeah. But actually, the fulfillment of all promises is Jesus, yeah. and that's central. I don't know about you, if you're new to a church or whatnot. If you want um, my my um, my Christianity 101, it's the answer is Jesus. What's the question? The answer is Jesus. What is your question? And this is the story here. But what's happened is the Jews can't get over the fact that they were given something. And maybe it's out of shame or pride. They actually were the ones who crucified Jesus. The ones who weren't able to see that the promises were fulfilled. But what happens is then Paul creates a new distinction in this letter. He then goes on to talk about the physical Israel and the spiritual Israel. The physical Israel and the spiritual Israel. Paul is highlighting to the whole church that there is two Israels. The Israel of ethnicity and the Israel of those who receive Jesus by faith. There's the Israel of ethnicity. Ethnicity. Turn to the person next to you and say that ten times fast. Ethnicity. And the Israel of those who received Jesus by faith. Abraham was used by God. His people used to glorify God. But actually to a degree, Israel was used to show the world that the law would not work. Yeah. That the Lord would not work. You can give it your best shot. You can give Christianity your best shot. I don't know about you, but I've tr- I tried it for many years. The best thing that I ever did was give up. You can give faith your best shot. You can try and wonder why I'm not getting things right. But your saving grace, your, your defining moment, I will believe, is the moment when you surrender your life and say, actually, it's Jesus. It's not about what I do right, what I've done wrong, but what he's done right. So Israel is not doing that. Imagine like a running race, a 400-meter running race. And you, you're the first person. It's like, on your marks, Gets it. Go. As you can tell, I've done many races. I'm doing so well. Look at that running technique. I'm like, wow. It's getting a bit heavy. Oh. And then there's, I can see there's a person who I'm supposed to pass the baton on to. But I'm like, screw you. I've got this. <laughs> it's like they're dressed up in their, like, Outfit leotards, and I'm wearing like cons and baggy pants, and I'm like, hey, I'm good, I'm good, no, 
There's a next person. No, don't need you. I got this. And I'm running. And I'm running. And I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. And people seem to be passing me. I'm like, what is this, God? What are you doing? God, why are you not faithful? God, I've tried so hard. Look at how sacrificial I am. I'm running. I'm running. I'm standing up in front of people. I'm making jokes about myself, about my haircut. I'm doing so many things. People are always over my house eating food and not washing their dishes. God, I'm doing so many things. I'm getting my dirty laundry out here. You know, it's all these things. My goodness. But we never pass the baton onto God. Israel never passed the baton onto God. And they kept trying. They kept trying. They kept trying. But they kept failing and failing and failing. The Lord does not work. Your good works do not work. What works is Jesus. Jesus on the cross is what works. And it says in this verse that ultimately Jesus became a stumbling block to people. Jesus offended people. You know how it talks about Jesus is offensive? And we say this. Well, he literally is because he says that anything that you do is not good enough. Anything that you try is not going to measure up. You are not good enough. I made you perfect. But you can't keep my law. You sin, you fail. And I don't want that for you. Give up and let me take over. So Israel didn't. Israel did not give up. They held on to the baton. And it goes on into Romans 10 and it's talking in the present to the, the Roman church and the, the Jews and the Gentile combined in the present. And what's happening is Paul's saying, your calling was to bless others. Israel, your calling was to bless others. But what's happened is you've become so wrapped up in your race, in your ethnicity, that you're saying that anyone who wants to be part of God's plan has to be of Israel. Not the spiritual, the physical. It's like you coming into church and me saying that if you want to be part of God's plan, you have to be born in St. John of God's Hospital. Because that's where I was born. He was born there. St. John of God's. See, I'm the elite one here. Go find another church. Go find another church where, you're, where you can, where you're accepted, where you're part of the bloodline. <laughs> that's a silly example. But that's how petty it was. They were saying that you're not good enough. God chose Israel through Abraham to bless others. But like I was saying, they didn't see that Jesus was was the answer. We needed to pass on to Jesus. We didn't see that. They didn't see that. So what's happening now, Paul is saying, yes, actually, they have zeal for God. Turn to the person and you say, you, and next to you say, you look zealy today. You look so zealy today. You put a little twist in there. You know, it's like, you look zealy today. You know, it's like, he's saying, it's great. You have zeal. How good is that? But 
You have zeal. But you, where does your zeal come from? It comes from a religious place. It comes from a place that says that my zeal stems from religious pride. It's, there's stories in the Bible where people will go up to the prayer wall and they'll be like, Oh God, I pray for Nisha because she's not tithing enough. I pray for Nisha because she's gossiping about me. Oh God, bless her. Oh Lord, I pray for Luke. He always wears shorts. I don't know what's going on, God. God bless him. Bless him. I am so broken for these people. Oh, this wailing wall, I can't hold me up. The weight of the world's on my shoulders. Oh goodness. Oh goodness. <laughs> it's good to be back. But stemming from religious pride. Yeah. These people. These people, the is this ethnic religious pride. We have to understand that. We all have some sort of religious pride. Look how well I raised my hands in worship. I did really well then. I stand with arms high and heart over. You know, it's like I did it just at the right time. Yeah, it's like we've all been there and we've all been at the back and seen it happen. Like, it starts, it's like, I'll stand, and everyone's like, oh yes, this is the moment for me to put my hands up to fit in. <laughs> Ethnic religious pride. They're so focused on their own people, their own race, the St. John of God's, Gordians. They ended up stumbling over this free gift of Jesus Christ in an effort to work their way to God. They could not leave behind the law to grasp onto grace. So Paul is addressing a corporate pride that wants to exclude the Gentiles from, in the Roman church from salvation unless they become an ethnic Israel. And Paul is addressing this letter because Israel has pride. The Roman church are anti-Semitic and we need to address this issue. We need to sort this out. It's not good to be at each other. There's, a, there's, blessing, when we, uh, there's, uni- there's blessing when there's unity amongst us. I don't, know when I don't know about you, when there's something between me and someone else, I hate it. I just, it just feels gross. Yeah. But when there's unity, when we see eye to eye, when we talk things out instead of talking behind people's backs, what happens is there's a unity that says that we're working through this together. This is not representative of the Roman church. And if we look at verse 4, it talks about... God, uh, God's final word in righteousness is different. Oh, I'm supposed to be doing this, aren't I? I'm just preaching. Oh, goodness. As the law, for Christ is the end of the law of righteousness to everyone who believes. The final word. All righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. It doesn't depend, it's not on your, the, your, the family that you're born into. Just because Charlie and Ollie are going to be pastor's kids, PKs, just because they're PKs, it doesn't mean that they have a, like a, a shortcut to heaven or shortcut to righteousness that people who aren't PKs have, don't have. All righteousness is found in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the reason the law existed. Because sin happened... And so God needed to bring people to this place where they realized that the law is not going to work. Jesus didn't come sooner for a reason. 
Jesus didn't come sooner because he needed to show people that your works are never going to be good enough. Only the cross of Jesus Christ will be. And so if you've missed Jesus, and this is what Paul's saying, if you've missed Jesus on this running track, like you've missed the whole point. The law was to lead you to Jesus, to show that your own efforts would not be good enough. But we need a saviour, Jesus. So literally Israel got so focused on the race, the two meanings of that. The race, the ethnic race and the, the, the competition, I guess you would say, that they actually missed the finish line, who is Jesus. But it says in, in, in Romans that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that basically means that there's no ethnic, no cultural, no moral prerequisite to righteousness in Jesus Christ or receiving it. All that has to happen is a verse that says, if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Believe, confess. Two parts, believe, confess. That's the prerequisite to Jesus. That's the prerequisite. So who does that involve in 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 this story? Israel, yes. Gentiles, yes. Everybody, yes. Everybody needs to hear it. But Israel, this is the story, failed to hear it. In short, they failed to hear it. They failed to hear that, that, that the word was sent through Jesus Christ. There's prophets, there's disciples, there's all these people. God cannot be blamed for being silent. The Israelites, the Jewish people, had their opportunity. God was speaking consistently, very loudly, holding out his hands. Saying, it's okay. And Paul is imploring them to avoid the narrative that requires them to earn their salvation through works. Jesus is the final word. Everyone must believe in him. Then we go on to the future. Because we're talking about, this is what Paul's saying to them then and there. And then what we need to do is we need to go to the future. We need to see what God is going to say for the future. Because there's, even though there are some, there's Israelites that, missed the the mark. There were some that didn't, and they were called the remnant. These people were a group of people who actually heard the gospel and responded. For example, Paul. Paul's name before was Saul. Saul was Jewish. Saul was actually Jewish and Roman, so he knew, uh, he grew up as a Roman citizen, but he was Jewish, so he knew the law. He grew up knowing the Torah. He grew up knowing the things of the law. But he himself is the one who's preaching this. Therefore, that means that Israel is not excluded. It means that God is still working through people, in people. Jesus was Jewish. That means that God is still working in Jesus. The disciples were Jewish. All of them wanted to be a rabbi. All of them wanted to be the best Jew that you could be. So that means that God was still working in the Jewish people. Even though the Jewish people rejected Christ, there were still people who responded to the gospel and to Jesus Christ. Because the thing about it was, and get this, all of Israel were elect. They were elected. They were chosen. All of Israel were chosen. We can't say that's not true. But the question is, why did then some people die off in the uh, the wilderness of unbelief? Why did some people need to be preached to in the synagogues by Paul? Why did Paul need to come to some of the Jewish people and say that you do not know Jesus? 
Because weren't they chosen? Yeah, they were chosen in the Old Testament, but things have changed now because Jesus is here. You're holding on to the baton and he's run off. And, and it's kind of like, hey, this is the guy we need to be um, putting the money on. This is the guy that we need to be believing in. Mm-hmm. So even though they were chosen corporately, there were individuals in, within the corporate that didn't believe. Yeah. You know, we could all, we could say together, just for this, uh, an example's sake, we could all say that we're a church that believes in climate change. But then there's individuals who are like, actually, I don't believe in climate change. Pretty much the exact same thing, but more, more important. Israel believed in God, but not all people who are part of Israel believed in God. So it was a corporate election, but there's individuals who didn't believe because it's important that we hear and have faith. We have faith. So Israel was elected, but not all of who are Israel believe. And the same thing now. You could be part of church here. And say I'm part of Freedom City. But you can say, actually, I don't really believe in Jesus. I'm part of the church that's called and chosen. But actually, I don't believe that Jesus is that good. I don't believe that Jesus can heal. I don't believe these things. You can be part of it, but you can still not believe. It's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. But the speaking, then Paul goes and speaks to the Romans. And this is where I'm going to finish up. He says that the Gentiles, even though you were chosen, the Gentiles have been grafted in. The Gentiles have been grafted in. Basically, it's, imagine a tree. Some of the branches have been broken off because they, were, they died from unbelief. Imagine the trees in Israel, some of the branches are broken off. What's now happened is, God, through Jesus, the Gentiles, those who aren't Jewish, have been grafted in, brought in. And this is what Pastor Nate was talking about, through adoption. You have been brought in and adopted into the family of God. You've been grafted in. And even today, post-Jesus on the cross, every Jew needs to be grafted in as well. They're not, they don't have some separate way to God. There's one way. Through Jesus, you need to be grafted into the tree by faith, not clinging to an old covenant, not law, but faith. And Paul argued for 11 chapters. We just did three chapters then, people. Well done. Paul argued for 11 chapters. You have to receive Jesus Christ. Why would Paul go into, like I said, into synagogues to preach to people who are supposedly going to heaven? Because they were broken off in their unbelief. In, their, in the fact that they felt they still needed to use the law. But now they've been grafted back in by the gospel of Jesus Christ into the family of God. Yeah. The tree represents this. Romans 1, 2 and 3 determine three things. That the Jews are in trouble, the Gentiles are in trouble, we're all in trouble. Yeah. Romans 1, 2, 3 and 4 were really hard to preach. Because it's basically saying that we're all screwed. Apart from Jesus. You know... I think what we have to realise is that going on from here that God is going to address your past, your present and your future. Mm-hmm. Bringing this into a modern context now, God's going to address your past, your present and your future. Mm-hmm. And you need to be open to that. Yeah. You know, some of us are so ashamed of our past that we're actually not allowing Jesus into our present and ultimately our new future. And maybe there's a part of you that knows that you stuffed up or that you flawed, and instead of opening up to a healing God, you're becoming hard, callous, 
you've determined that you're the creator of your own future. You know, have you ever seen someone drop a tray of food at a food court? You know, after your initial like, <laughs> like you see this person on the floor scrambling, scrambling to clean things up, scrambling, and all of a sudden they've got coffee on this shit. It's like, oh my, all of a sudden they have sauce on their pants. They're like, oh goodness, they're trying to clean themselves up because people are looking, everyone's looking at, oh my goodness, they need to clean this up. And you blame on your kids because why did you knock this over? And you're trying to clean this mess up and everyone's seeing you try to clean the mess up. And you're feeling down, you're feeling low, you're feeling shameful. You know, when, without Jesus, all that we're doing is we're desperately trying to save face. We're trying to clean up and save face. We look at something in our life and someone's like, ah, oh, that's my struggle. But I'm never going to share that with someone because they'll judge me. You know, I'm fearful, but I'm never going to share that with someone because as a Christian, you can't have fear. That's not true. Everyone, everyone struggles. Jesus came to make things right while we're scurrying around trying to save face, hoping that no one notices that we're broken, that we're tired, and we actually don't have a clue what's going on. Jesus alone determines righteousness if you're good enough, if you're acceptable enough. His answer is found on the cross. The cross says that all who believe in me will be saved. Saved. The cross says that your past, present and future is redeemable. The cross makes our efforts look foolish and our shame powerless. We're in a time and age where our future is not tied up in rituals, sacrifices and law, but ultimately faith in Jesus Christ. And just because you are hearing, it doesn't mean you're believing. So we need to make that choice to believe, to pass over that baton and let God run this race on our behalf. Let God do the heavy lifting. Let's close our eyes.